from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition, day three, and votes are still being counted, and more questions are being raised. While the media slams those who are actually raising the questions about the need for transparency. We'll talk about it with former Ohio Secretary of State Kim Blackwell. Ken also serves as chairman of the board of the International Foundation for Electoral Systems, a global leader in democracy assistance. Now, they engage with critical issues in democracy, governance, and elections around the world. Who knows his, uh, who knew that his uh, resources and talents would be needed here? An example of why we should be questioning the media versus the media questioning us is the early call by Fox News that Joe Biden had won Arizona. We'll get an update from Congressman Andy Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Caucus uh, who is a congressman in Arizona. And he says, based on his knowledge, President Trump will win Arizona. And yesterday we talked about how the supposed blue wave didn't happen. In fact, Republicans are poised to pick up as much as possibly a dozen seats in the House. One of those new Republican congresswomen uh, will be joining us, Congresswoman-elect Michelle Fishbach from Minnesota joins us. And if there are two takeaways for Christian conservatives in this election, here they are. Are you listening? Number one, we should no longer trust and look to the media. And that includes Fox News. And number two, do not believe the polls. They are increasingly designed to shape the outcome, not project it. Jim Lee, founder of Susquehanna Polling and Research, who called out the pollsters before the election, joins us with post-election analysis of the polling industry. All of that and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. If you miss anything on your way home, you can catch it all later. TonyPerkins.com. That's right, TonyPerkins.com. Also, if you happen to be on Twitter and you are still on those social media platforms, which, by the way, are also a part of the media and in terms of trying to squelch the conservative voices. But if you're on there, it's at T. Perkins. Okay. Um, th- this is what I woke up to this morning. The, the headlines as I, you know, as I read the, the, the newspapers in the morning. And the AP, which is supposed to be kind of a neutral reporting body, not the case, has not been for some time. Here's the headline. Trump and allies spread falsehoods to cast doubt on election. Now, this is this is supposed to be a news story, and it is uh, obviously it's it's like an editorial from the AP. Uh, As there have been questions about ballot dumps, uh, just different things happening. And you look, it's it's a legitimate issue to raise questions. I am not signing on to any conspiracy theory. I have not gone out and said this happened or it did not happen. We did talk about yesterday how ballots in Arizona that were marked with Sharpies. Some of them were called, uh, uh, declared spoiled and were not being counted. There was a legal challenge. I think they've reversed case, a reverse course on that now. So I think it's, it's completely legitimate to raise questions when these things surface. And in the age of social media, when people are out there watching and they report these things, you know, I, I like to validate. I don't ever take anything at face value on social media. Uh, things that I get, I have to, I, we verify them first. And I, this is my promise to you, folks, as I have if I as I have gone out on a limb here and said, and I've watched this. This is based on years now of watching what's happening in the media. 
and that includes Fox News. Fox has gone left. And so here's my promise to you. We will report what we know to be true. If, if we get it wrong, we will tell you so. And we'll come back and we will correct it. Now, that's not happened because we're very careful about what we say. I'm very careful about what I say and what I, who I put on this program. And so that's my commitment to you, that you can look to us as a source of news, of information, true information and news. And it, it is coming to you. I, I make no apologies about this. It is coming to you from a biblical perspective. What does that mean? It means that we're looking at all of this in the light of, number one, the fallen nature of man, and that these things are quite possible, but also from a hopeful standpoint that our, our future is not, does not rest solely upon who wins this election. Now, obviously, life can be easier uh, if it is, but you know what? Bottom line is we, 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 serve a, uh, we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we are a part of another kingdom that is an eternal kingdom. So we keep an eternal perspective, and that gives us a different view of the news. I admit it. I admit it. See, I admit my bias. I am biased toward the truth and God. All right? So I, I admit it, I, and I don't hide that. I wish the other side would do that, but they don't. Joining me now to uh, to talk more about this, our good friend Ken Blackwell, former Secretary of State of Ohio, and as I mentioned, Chairman of the Board of the International Foundation for Electoral Systems and a senior fellow here at the Family Research Council. Ken, thanks so much for joining us again today. Hey, Tony, good to be with you, and thanks for putting us and keeping us, you know, just grounded in biblical truth, because I will tell you today, uh, I woke up, uh, Matthew ten sixteen. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. We are not to be mindless, thoughtless, uncritical, and we're not to be suicidal. We, in fact, have to engage and we have to understand the message of John, which is those who would do evil love the darkness. And that's why we have been on the side and, and demanding uh, transparency. Yeah. So what we want, just transparency. Let, let me start with this question, Ken, because first off, you know, as I said, I don't sign on to any of these conspiracy theories. I'm very slow to believe any of that stuff. i got to verify it. But I just want – you are an expert in this. I mean, you, you were Secretary of State of Ohio during the 2000 election cycle, which was the big one, the, the Bush v. Uh, Gore. But you also travel the world overseeing elections. Can election results be manipulated? Yes, they can, particularly when there is a lack of transparency. Uh, and so uh, one of the brilliant aspects of our two-party system and our constitutional republic is that elections work best and have the confidence of the people when there is transparency and bipartisan oversight. When there is a lack of transparency and, and partisanship in the administration of an election, not bipartisanship, but partisanship, you, in fact, undercut not only the art authenticity of the result, you, in fact, undercut the buy-in to the result by those who are governed by the people who come forth as a, as, as a consequence 
of a final cow. So, so Ken, it is to the benefit of everyone that questions are answered in this process. So that, you know, you don't want, and the media appears to be trying to to get this thing called and, uh, you know, make Joe Biden the next president, even though we have these states that are outstanding, we have these questions that have yet to be answered, they look like they're trying to rush this process. And, and I think there's a reason. I'm going to talk about that later in the program. But the, the the reality is it's to the benefit, if if Joe Biden were to be president, it's to his benefit that these questions are answered and everyone realizes, yes, all right, it was done by the rules. There is no uh, illegal, irregular, fraudulent behavior, and therefore we don't like the outcome, but the outcome was fair. Absolutely. Look, Tony, for, for weeks the mainstream media told us uh, that uh, and, and stories leading up to the election that Democrats were on track to win a majority in, in the Senate. Uh, they told us that uh, Dems would win dozens of seats in the House and knock off uh, a whole host of Republican incumbents, and that was completely wrong. Uh, and so all of a sudden, when folks start to question as to whether or not not only the, the instruments but the narratives that are advanced by the mainstream media uh, hold water uh, or can, can, can stand scrutiny, uh, all of a sudden – uh, those folks asking the questions and calling for transparency, it's as though we've gone through the looking glass and what is up is down and what is down is up. We are now being, uh, you know, portrayed uh, somehow as as undermining the system. Yeah, that is just crazy. Excellent point, Ken. I'm so glad you brought that up. When you look at the polling data, I mean, this was supposed to be a blue wave, didn't even turn out to be a blue trickle. And in, in, the, in the Republicans are picking up seats in the House, the, the Senate, some seats still close, but it uh, looks like the Republicans are going to keep the majority there without question. Uh, but I want to go back even further. And, and, and let's just let's put all the irregularities aside. And let's just take the media and their narrative. Why should we believe a media who, since 2016, has done everything they can to take this president down? Whether it was the Russian uh, conspiracy collusion there with Russia, whether it was the uh, Ukraine, they, they gave fuel to what we now know and they knew were false narratives because they were pushed by political operatives of the other side. So they want us to trust them in terms of reporting the election outcome? <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. And, Tony, I've been doing this for uh, 50 years. You know, I'm, I'm 72 years old. I've been engaged in the political process for for 50 years, and I've, as you mentioned, I've in fact administered elections, uh, and and I've watched the, the use of polling uh, and 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 other uh, instrumentalities to predict results. For the life of me, for the life of me, I cannot understand why Fox News projected Arizona as early as they did. And what's interesting to me is that there are about seven leading uh, sources for those sort of projections. Uh, AP and Fox were the only two of the seven that made that early prediction. Uh, and I really have serious questions about uh, why they did that, because that, that created an, 
an atmosphere that put those of us who were questioning right. some malpractice well, in Arizona on the defense. Right, but, but was that not the intent? Oh, I think that was the intent. Yeah. It was to put us on the defensive. And, 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 but it underscores your point. We have to question everyone, including Fox, when, when we see that sort of uh, behavior uh, and, and unquestionable. So who made these That's, calls at Fox? Well, the, well the, there are two folks who have their prediction deaths. Uh, one is an established Democrat operative, and the other is a never-Trumper. Uh, but, 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 but that's their personal preference. I question the, the, the methodology that they use. You know, when, you, when you have Nate Zipperman, you know, of, of, of the 580 fame, uh, who is no uh, lover of Donald Trump, question why Fox made that call that early. I mean, remember, yeah. there are five other major entities that didn't, that no even 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 CNN, even CNN, as bad as they are, <laughs> didn't make that call. I, I, the, the point is well made going forward. We cannot trust cable news, mainstream media for legitimate information. Uh, it's just they, they have lost all credibility. Ken Blackwell, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Tony. And we're going to talk about the polling later. Uh, Jim Lee's going to be joining us. But uh, but next, we're going to talk about Arizona. Congressman Andy Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, is going to join us with the latest on Arizona. He says President Trump's going to win Arizona. We're going to talk with him next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org Bible. Got it checking it out now. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. 
Again, that's frc.org slash worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to be on Twitter, it is uh, at T. Perkins. All right, a lot of people, you know, we were looking, what state was going to decide this? Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida. Well, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, still all of them decided. But where the eyeballs of America are turning is Arizona. Now, we were just talking about how Fox News uh, in the tank, really, for the left. I've seen this trend happening, but they called Arizona early. Well, uh, our next guest, who represents the 5th Congressional District of Arizona, also serves as the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, said way too early because this is the path for President Trump to a uh, to a second term as president and Quite frankly, looks like it could happen. Joining me now, Andy Biggs uh, from Arizona. Andy, welcome so much for, to uh, thank you for being with us, and welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. Always good to be with you. All right, Congressman. So you've been through this process and the way they count the ballots, the early ballots and such in Arizona. You see the margins there for the president to pick up Arizona. Yeah, I think there's plenty of uh, uh, landing room on the runway to bring in uh, the Trump plane uh, for victory. Uh, there's there's still uh, over 500,000 votes to be counted, and uh, he needs to win about 56% of those votes, and he's uh, winning more than that right now. So uh, I'm very optimistic. So let me ask you the process. Uh, explain the process, how these ballots are being counted, why they're being counted the way they are, and as they're breaking for Trump, what's that based on? Do you think those trends are going to continue? Okay, so so here's the three. There's three groups that they they're counting. The the actual day of where people actually went in and cast their ballot. Those none of those were counted on election day. They're being counted now, uh, but but they they do this in a first in first out way. So what you've got is the first ballots that they're counting are the late early ballots, the ones that were received in the mail on the Friday, Saturday, and Monday before the election. The next group are where people brought in ballots uh, that were early ballots, and they dropped them off on the day of. So that's the second group. Then you get to the day of. And so they they usually count them first in, first out. Uh, They started yesterday morning at 730. They went till uh, probably uh, 
10 30 11 o'clock last night arizona time they're they're counting again as we speak they'll go through the night again and then tomorrow they will they will typically this is usually what happens they will say we're going to just keep counting now until we're done and they'll finish sometime uh in the wee hours a uh, saturday morning usually something like that and so that's when arizona will be decided yes that's right i believe so so let's ask about. Let me talk talk to you about the process. Uh, there is oversight, transparency in this process. There, there generally is, Tony. So what we have is, uh, we've got a great group of lawyers and observers, and and in every counting center. So you got because they're done by county by county in Arizona. In every county uh, where they're making these counts, we have attorneys and observers there, and the other side does too. And I think that's fair. And so it is a much more open and transparent process, than, at least in the counting process, than you find in many states. So the, 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 the campaign was very quick to jump on this when Fox you know, called Arizona for Biden. And I knew that was because they, they have a very good tracking system, counting the numbers, and they're pretty confident in their numbers. Early votes coming in, as you said, they're the early ones being counted. That was the, the vote by mail that typically more the Democrats doing that this time. And the in-person voting, more the Republicans. So that's why the percentages appear to be higher for the pre- or are higher for the president as uh, we're now counting these ballots. And if I think you said about 56 percent are, are going toward the president or, or just short, shy of 60 percent. But if he maintains that, um, he he wins Arizona. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was I was surprised that anybody would be calling it that early. There were over a million ballots to be counted when they called it, and you're going to have uh, that's about a third of the ballots in Arizona. You actually had people standing in line because we had a few glitches at a few of the polling places, and so if you were standing in line at seven o'clock when it closed in Arizona by law, you get to vote no matter how long that takes. And and so we had actually some people in a few places standing in line when they called that. And then, and then Tony, they, when they called it, we hadn't even started counting a single in-person ballot. And what we saw um, breaking is we were getting numbers um, on early ballot drop-offs. Uh, they weren't counting them. They were just uh, – but what we were seeing is uh, almost a three-to-one Republican to Democrat ratio and a two-to-one independent to Democrat ratio, and um, we believe that those independents were breaking five to ten percent in the tr- to, toward Trump. And so, if that's the case, why would you why would you ever call that? And then they they're not taking into account even in these recount, it, it, they're saying it's impossible. A lot of these still are in rural counties that we anticipate uh, Trump will win eighty percent of the vote in some of those counties. So. This this is very doable. Um, the modeling indicates that he's going to just looking at it. If all things go well and it's fair and and, and transparent, we believe he's going to win by thirty to fifty thousand votes in Arizona. And that uh, that is the path to uh, a second term. Uh, Andy Biggs, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. You bet, Tony. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. Great to talk with you. Andy Biggs, chairman of the uh, the House Freedom Caucus. He represents the 5th Congressional District of uh, Arizona. And there you hear it from him. He's been a part of this process, you know, having run in Arizona. He knows how they count the votes. And um, way, way premature for Fox to call Arizona. 
Now, again, I, I think part of this, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, is that this narrative coming out from the media is to basically, just like the polling, just like the polling was, it, it's it's to kind of cause you to just kind of, well, just to capitulate, to, to just resign yourself. Oh, well, I guess we're going to have President Joe Biden. I mean, that I that is what is behind this narrative from the media, and, and try to say, oh, well, let's just, it can't happen, can't win. It's just not true. Now, if it is true, then fine. We'll live with the outcome and the results as long as we know they're fair and it's true and it's right. But we can't say that right now. And and as we see here, as we just heard from Arizona, that appears to be um, a state that President Trump is going to win. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about how that predicted blue wave didn't happen. We're going to talk about uh, one of the new members of Congress are going to be talking with Congresswoman-elect Michelle Fishbach from Minnesota. She joins us next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The Federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. I don't know if I mentioned this uh, earlier. I may have. We're covering a lot of ground here very quickly. But North Carolina, they still have not called North Carolina. And the elections board, which is controlled by Democrats, I think it's a two to three, uh, two to two to one margin, uh, two Democrats controlling it, one Republican, have said that they're not going to count any more ballots until November the 12th. So they're not going to decide the outcome of the election in North Carolina. Uh, we were just talking about Arizona. It could be Saturday morning before we have the outcome uh, there. And so you still have, you have Georgia. You've got several states 
critical states that have yet to be called. So we, we, we could be days, weeks, uh, maybe litigation. So we, we don't know what's going to happen in the presidential just yet. As I said, I'm going to repeat this over and over. Don't listen to the media uh, because they want to put this thing behind us. Uh, but we need to, as long as there's room to fight and there's a necessity to fight, we should. But all that said, uh, we can celebrate some things that we know to be true, and that is that Republicans uh, have not only held a wall against a blue wave, uh, there wasn't even a blue trickle, as I mentioned, uh, because the Republicans appear now to, uh, they've already gained six seats in the House, and may, when they're all counted, maybe as many as 12. Well, joining me now is one of the new members of uh, Congress that will be joining us in uh, January from Minnesota's 7th Congressional District, Congresswoman-elect Michelle Fishbach. Michelle, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on today. Well, Michelle, you weren't supposed to happen. Uh, you, along with several others, won seats in a uh, cycle that was supposed to be all about the Democratic Party. What happened? Well, we knocked off a 30-year incumbent because the people of the 7th District in Minnesota want a strong conservative voice. They are conservative people, and they were not being represented by a conservative in Congress. They were being represented by uh, someone who went voted for Nancy Pelosi and supported her uh, supported her agenda, and they didn't want that anymore. And so we're very, and I think that's the way the country is going. And we are still praying that President Trump is able to to win the reelection because uh, of the the uh, strange things that are happening now with the uh, with appearing, uh, you know, suddenly appearing ballots. But I will tell you, those the folks in the seventh district in Minnesota want a strong conservative in Congress, and that's what they're going to get. Yeah, I think that's a, it's an interesting point because, again, this narrative that there was going to be this blue wave, that we were going to see uh, Democrats take greater control of the House, they were going to win the Senate, 83.5% uh, victory, uh, according to Newsweek just a couple of weeks ago, didn't happen. And, and so, you know, I, when you look at that and you look at what's happened in the presidential race, um, it's inconsistent. And so that's why I think it gives legitimacy to those that are raising questions, those of us raising questions about some of these things happening in the presidential. So that's, that's something for people to keep in mind. But let me ask you this in terms of your race in the 7th Congressional District. What were the, the really the driving issues as you were out campaigning, talking to people? What was it they wanted to see happen? You know, one of the big things that they talked to us a lot about was the economy. And, you know, we had the, the shutdowns with the COVID, and it was devastating to a lot of the businesses in rural Minnesota. And they want to see that, you know, President Trump had that economy going pretty well before um, all of the COVID shutdowns. And we happen to be especially hard hit because we've got a DFL governor here who just decided that everything should be shut down and uh, and didn't think about the, the damage that he would be doing um, to a lot of the businesses. And so they wanted to make sure that that economy gets back going and we get things back open and moving and, and, uh, and the overregulation and restrictions are, are done within reason. Yeah, you know what? I, I do think that's a, a major factor in some of these blue states that have uh, Democratic governors who have used this uh, coronavirus as a, I'm just going to say it, an excuse to, 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 to strengthen the arm of government and close down businesses, shutter churches, that there's been pushback. Uh, against that. And I think we saw that. I think that's evident in your race. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, we had a, an attorney general, Keith Ellison, who was calling businesses and threatening them, you know, if they dared to open up. And you're absolutely right. This is their way of stretching out that long arm of government and really putting a thumb on businesses and free enterprise. So when you come to Congress in January, Michelle, what's going to be at the top of your list of priorities? Well, you know, first and foremost, we, we're an ag district, and so we will be looking at ag industry. We're going to continue our, our conversation with the farmers that we started during the campaign. And, uh, you know, we've got a farm bill coming up in 2023, and we want to make sure that the farmers are really getting what they want and need from Washington, D.C., and not what Washington, D.C. tells them they want or need. (laughs) So that is going to be really opening up that conversation and looking at our small rural communities and making sure that they're strong and, you know, that they're able to continue to prosper and attract new people and bring new people into rural Minnesota because it's a great way of life. It's the heartland of the the whole country and making sure that they have what they need to to succeed in, in rural Minnesota the workforce, the jobs, those kinds of things that we can really promote and make sure that they are they are running well and it is a great place to live. Well, we are excited that you'll be joining us here in uh, Washington, and uh, we want to congratulate you on, uh, on a victory and um, look forward to seeing you uh, in January here, Michelle. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and God bless you, and uh, continue to pray that President Trump wins. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we will certainly be doing that. Michelle Fishbach, Congresswoman-elect for the 7th Congressional District in Minnesota. Uh, check it out. Go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, when we come back, we will talk about the media and how the media has been slanted in going into this election. Actually, slanted since day one of the Trump administration. Why should we be believing them? Well, the polling data, the same. Jim Lee, founder of Susquehanna Polling and research joins us next to talk about um, the polling industry. Where do they go from here? Don't go away. We're back after this. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through his word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out his meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. When President Donald Trump announced his nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, critics were quick to point not to this qualified nominee's record, but rather to her religious affiliations as a reason she ought not be allowed to serve as a Supreme Court justice. In an increasingly secular culture, it is not only the media that views faith as problematic for those appointed to judicial positions. Senators, particularly Democrats, have inappropriately interrogated nominees with comments and lines of questioning spanning theology, congregation membership, and associations with faith-based nonprofits, all seemingly with the intent to discredit the nominees. 
Family Research Council recently released a publication addressing this important issue. To learn more about what the Constitution says about religious tests, visit frc.org slash religious tests. That's frc.org slash religious tests. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash human sexuality. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, again, I encourage you to uh, to share this information with your friends. You can uh, you can listen online. You can download our Stand Firm app, and each day you'll be alerted to when the program is coming on. If you're not within the uh, the earshot of uh, one of the 800 stations that covers or carries rather Washington Watch, you can watch online in many ways. You can get the podcast. You can, uh, but you need to listen because I'm telling you, increasingly, as we've seen the media, they have they have an agenda, and it's uh, quite frankly, I don't think it's in the best interest of the country because they have been against this president. We we've, we've seen their narrative going into this election, trying to discourage uh, turnout, conservatives trying to shape the outcome, not predict it. Uh, very similar to the uh, what we're going to talk about here in just a moment about the polling industry and what they've done. Because I, I really see in many ways the, the media, they have their pollsters and they're in cahoots. Because, you know, if you want, uh, if you want, as, and it's not all, because we're going to talk with a good pollster here in just a moment. Uh, but if you want to keep, continue the business, you got to give the client what they want. And obviously some in the media, they want, uh, they want kind of a spin on the polls to fit their narrative. Now, here's another f- tidbit of information when it comes to why we should be raising questions and why this election is filled with anomalies. Okay, first off, we've talked about the media and and how, you know, Trump was not going to win. There was going to be this blue wave and it didn't happen. I mean, Joe Biden did not walk away with this election. We're three days into it and still counting and it's going to come down to the wire. But when we look, we just talked with a new member of Congress, uh, Congresswoman-elect Michelle Fishbach from from, uh, Minnesota. The Republicans should not have gained seats, but we're looking potentially as many as 12 seats in the House. They did not lose the Senate, as predicted. Again, I made reference to a Newsweek article, uh, 80, they said 83.5% chance that the Democrats take the Senate. didn't happen. Here's another piece of information. Um, the, the only time that I've been able to identify in history 
where an incumbent president lost his re-election re bid and their party did not lose Congress was Jimmy Carter and his re-election bid to Ronald Reagan in 1980. Now, the Democratic Party lost the Senate, but they held the House, even though they lost 35 seats in the House because they had a big majority. Well, Donald Trump losing his reelection, if, if that were to occur, and just playing through the narrative, but the Republicans holding on to any part of Congress is almost unprecedented. So, again, you, you have to look at these things to say, is, is everything right? Is, is it, 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 and so it's legitimate to ask questions, and that's what we're doing, even though the AP is slamming um, conservatives for asking questions about how this election is unfolding. So part of this has been the polling, setting the narrative for what is happening right now. And joining me now to uh, to talk more about this, Jim Lee, founder of Susquehanna Polling and Research in Pennsylvania. He was on the program last week going into the election, talking about how the polling industry needs uh, needs to you know answer some tough questions. Jim, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Pleasure to be with you today. So, Jim, let me ask you this. Based on now what has happened in this election, are you more convinced that the polling industry needs to be asked and must answer some tough questions? I, I sure am. Uh, I think the media needs to take a, uh, an honest uh, look at itself. Uh, ABC News uh, and their uh, pollster, Nate Silver, uh, produced a poll in the battleground state of Wisconsin, Tony, just last week, showed Biden with a 17-point lead in a state that's been trending Republican the past 12 years. And it was in instantly dismissed by legitimate polling firms like us that just knew that was never going to happen. And um, so, you know, we saw this coming with our uh, public release in September that there's polling doing similar uh, types of mistakes that are being made. This cycle that were made last cycle, I cited Franklin Marshall College in Pennsylvania, as an example that had Hillary Clinton winning the state by 10 points last time, and of course Trump went on to win the state by a point. So we're, we're seeing the same mistakes being made over again, and I think part of the problem, quite frankly, is some of these academic polling institutions are run by professors that have tenure, and you know, if they miss an election, life goes on for them. And, you know, they live to fight another day. Guys like me that live and breathe this stuff, that have private sector clients, if we have polling that's off the mark, we, we don't get business. Right. We're, you know, our, our companies, our revenue streams, our clients use other firms. Um, we can't afford to be wrong. Now, so there's a, there's a personal um, issue here, too, with just the, the sheer nature of these media-sponsored polls by academic firms that right. just don't have as much skin in the game right. as guys like yeah, they don't have to be. Their, their survival doesn't depend on their accuracy. It depends upon them delivering the goods, I think, to, to what the uh, the media companies, uh, media outlets want. Now, Jim, let me ask you this question. Okay. Now, I know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful because we have to, I have to do this all the time with Congress. I don't want to paint everybody with a broad brush. Uh, and we're very we're very careful to talk about that. When we talk about Congress, we talk about the bad things in Congress. But there's a lot of good people in Congress. And so when we talk about now, I will say this. There's not many in the media that I can say this about. I mean, when I see Fox News going uh, left, I've watched this now for the last five years. But in, in the polling industry, I've used pollsters. I use pollsters now. I've used them when I was a candidate. When I was in office, I used them. And, uh, and you're right. We want accuracy. And so we go to poll, polling firms that we know are going to do a good job. But let me let me just ask you this question. I know this is not the intent, 
but polling has a psychological effect upon the public. I mean, that's one of the reasons we do the polling. We want to know where the public stands. But there's also another use for that polling. It helps shape what the public thinks. Is that not true? That's that's dead on. It's dead on. It's exactly the case. And I think some of the psychology, Tony, we'll be looking at now, and this is something we've been doing. We're not sure others did it. But the head-to-head question in our polling in our five battleground states we surveyed showed a razor-thin margin in every state, Wisconsin, Florida, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and, and North Carolina. But the very next question in our surveys, Tony, was who are your neighbors voting for? And in every in every state, even in Wisconsin, where we technically had Biden leading, there was a 15-point surge for Trump in that same question, who are your neighbors voting for? So Trump was winning on a question like that, and it said to me the psychology of voters doing these surveys needs to be looked at because people are being more guarded about who they're voting for. But why in a state where we have Biden up by three would would we have, by a 15-point margin, voters say their neighbors are voting for, for Trump? So there's some very real you know, analysis that needs to be done about how you know, honest people are being with their surveys, particularly when – you know, many Trump voters feel, let's face it, ashamed to say yeah. they're for him publicly when he's being called every name in the book. Right. I think and that's, that's, that's an important phenomenal. that's an important point, because it's almost like the media, you know, and, and I mean, look, there's I was talking about this earlier in the program. So for, for our listeners, this may be a, a, a repetitive, but going all the way back to 2016, we've seen some in the media who have been dead set against Donald Trump. They've, they've, uh, in the media, they've pushed forward, you know, the, uh, the Steele dossier and they, they pushed the Republican, I'm, I'm sorry, the Russian, uh, conspiracy, the, the, um, uh, Ukraine. I mean, just all of these things. And then, you know, when they're proven false, they just move on to the next thing. They don't apologize, don't change the way they're doing it. And, and so you're right. When someone then that, that media firm calls and says, who are you supporting for president? Well, after you've been hearing this 24-7 negative about this particular man, do you think you're going to step forward in this cancel culture and say, oh, I'm voting for the guy you hate? I mean, it just doesn't happen. I agree. I think uh, Biden was the, the popular, you know, politically correct answer in our polling. And that's why we have to think differently about the kinds of questions we're asking. But you know, I would like to talk about brass tacks here in Pennsylvania. You asked me uh, earlier before we got on here, you know, what's happening here. I can tell you um, what I believe is happening in PA, why a lot of firms missed it. Um, in Philadelphia, where, of course, the Trump campaign has now mounted a vigorous defense, I'm not sure most people realize that the turnout in Philadelphia was 590,000 votes. That's off by 75,000 Fewer votes cast than four years ago. Why is that important? Clinton came out of Philadelphia, Tony, with a 450,000 vote margin in 2016. That's been reduced to a 350,000 vote margin based on the current results that have been released. That's a drop of 100,000 votes in the city of brotherly love where the Clinton margins were enough to keep her competitive in PA and to add to that, the approval rating for Trump among minorities was showing 30, 35 percent of voters approving of the job he's doing. Right now, he's on track to get 20 percent of the vote out of Philly, Donald Trump. That is a huge blow to the Democratic machine that usually produces margins for winning candidates in Pennsylvania. And I think that tells the story 
about why Donald Trump is winning Pennsylvania and probably will be declared the winner here because of that lower turnout facility. The base wasn't fired up. Trump's doing better with minorities. He wasn't given any credit for that. Right. I mean, what does it say about the fact that three in ten blacks like this guy when the media is calling him a freaking monster? Right. Well, we saw it. We saw that in Florida, um, in Miami Dade County, heavily Hispanic, where where he he did quite well. He's doing well with Hispanics. In fact, about I think, if the numbers hold, about twenty five percent of uh, Donald Trump's support is non white. Uh, he is he has made great inroads in the minority community because of his. Number one is economic policies, and uh, as well as in the Hispanic community with his pro-life policies as well. So he is he's making grounds there, and that is something that the pollsters, many, did not pick up on. And quite frankly, I don't think one, some wanted to pick up on. Um, and that's why I think you're raising this issue of asking the hard questions of pollsters going forward. I, I know it's obviously in your self-interest because we, we've got to have people being able to trust the polling industry, because quite frankly, uh, they're down there right now with I think used car salesmen have a higher uh, higher standing with people than uh, pollsters right now. Well, that's very true. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to say it before the election, which meant I was putting myself out there to be criticized if our polling looked like it was off. And, right. of course, you know, God bless. We did some things right. Um, our polling showed every one of these battleground states would be decided by, you know, two or three points. That's what happened. And look, I'm not here to say we're a pro-Trump pollster. No, no. I had Biden leading in Wisconsin. He's been declared the winner there. I just want I mean, the facts. But we knew these races would be decided by less than a couple percentage points yeah. all across the board. Um, and, you know, the, the industry does need to take a careful look at itself. Uh, is it a methodology question? Sure. Um, but I, I think you're right. I'm not sure some of these institutions want to take a close look at their own polling because life goes on for them. Yeah. You know, for Franklin and Marshall College in Pennsylvania, an Ivy League school that had Clinton winning by 11 points here just days before Trump's upset victory. Life goes on for the professor running that institution of polling. He's tenured, you know, whatever. He's going to have some regression analysis to show why he wasn't that far off. But you know what? Guys like me, we get we get cast in the same negative light when this happens. And right. it's time for other firms to stand up and say, this is, this is, this is enough. And that's Nothing why, and you were out, all being made to look bad. you were out before the election raising this issue. And that's why I have you on the program here after the election, because you, you are looking for the truth and that's what we want. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we necessarily like it. I want the facts and, uh, in, in, but I want the facts. And so I appreciate that there are those like you out there that are trying to do that and, and hold the industry accountable. Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Tony. Have a great day, and thank you for giving us the time to, to talk about this today. Absolutely. I think it's important. Jim Lee, founder of Susquehanna Polling and Research in uh, Pennsylvania. I, I love to have guys on here who will be straightforward and honest. Might not want to hear what they have to say, but uh, at least knowing that they're honest. And I do think, again, look at the polling industry and the media, um, they've called themselves into question again. And, and, and we would be foolish after the 2016 election when this is almost a repeat of it to just go on as business as usual. Um, it, it's, it's time to, to reevaluate who we're listening to. Now, I, I promised, it, uh, mentioned earlier, I wanted to, to kind of tell you why I think the media is trying to push this thing very quickly into the bag of Joe Biden and move on. And why I think the president needs to answer all these questions. And if it has to go to court, it has to go to court. But here's what happens. If the Electoral College doesn't, um, is not able to declare this election by, uh, I think, the, the December, 
um, what happens is that this goes to to Congress. Now, the Democrats had hoped that they would have the Senate and they would have the supermajority in the House, and so they could put this thing in the bag. But the way it will work is that if this goes to Congress to decide the outcome, because the Electoral College can't meet because they haven't decided the electors, because the the count hasn't finished. It's based upon House delegations in the, the House, 50 state delegations, and the majority, they get one vote each, and they vote for the president. Right now, the Republicans have 26 of the delegations in the House. They have a majority. In the Senate, each senator gets one vote, and they vote for the vice president, and that's how it's decided. This is why you're going to see this increase to try to cause the Republicans to wave a white flag and move on, even though there's a cloud of controversy and questions around the election. That's the very reason we can't do that. We have got to stand firm and make sure that all of these questions are, in fact, answered. All right, folks, again, if you missed anything, good program here. A lot of information. If you missed anything, I encourage you to to go back and listen to it or share it with friends, go to TonyPerkins.com. It's all archived right there. Okay, until next time, I leave you with this, the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. He says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.